Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are continuing our Predator conversations. That's after right. After talking about Prey last <laughs> week. We're moving on into Predator. So we're just going in order. Chronological, yes. Chronological order. Yeah. Obviously, 2022 does not come before 1987, but hmm. Prey took place in 1719 or something like that. Yes. Yeah, and this takes place in, well, 1987, most likely. <laughs> Although we don't know for sure. We don't. It could be the distant future. I doubt that. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Because there's choppers and things. Choppers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Predator is a 1987 American science fiction action film directed by John McTiernan. It written by the brothers, Jim and John Thomas, and it was the first film in the Predator franchise. Shocker. Yep. The film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, uh, Elpidia Carrillo, uh, Bill Duke, Richard Chavez, Jesse Ventura, Sonny Landham, and Shane Black, if you recall that name. I do recall that name. The Predator creature effects were created by Stan Winston, who had previously worked with Schwarzenegger on a Terminator and was just coming off of doing Aliens. The score of the film was composed by Alan Silvestri. The film's plot focuses on an elite paramilitary rescue team on a mission to save hostages in guerrilla-held territory in a Guatemala Central American rainforest who encounter the deadly predator, a skilled, technologically advanced alien who stalks and hunts them down. The film would become a massive hit and would spawn a franchise across all kinds of media. Okay, listeners. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! <laughs> this... Predator. I was hoping you would do the voice. And that was not the best Arnold impression. <laughs> Better than what I could do. We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we gotta do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jet. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He will skin the lion! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Ah! 
Wondery Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. A Vietnam War veteran, Major Alan Dutch Schaefer, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his military rescue team consisting of Mac, Poncho, Blaine, Billy, and Hawkins, are tasked with rescuing a foreign cabinet minister and his aide from insurgents in an unspecified South American country. CIA officer Al Dillon, played by Carl Weathers, a Vietnam War buddy of Dutch's, is assigned to accompany the team. En route, the team discovers the wreckage of a helicopter and three skinned corpses. Dutch identifies them as Green Berets that he knew and becomes suspicious of Dylan's intentions and the true nature of the mission. The team reaches the guerrilla camp and witnesses the cold-blooded execution of a hostage. They mount an attack, killing most of the rebels and several Soviet intelligence officers. Dutch confronts Dylan, who reveals their true mission was not in fact a rescue, but a mission to stop a planned Soviet-backed invasion, and that the CIA sent the Green Berets weeks earlier for the same mission. The only surviving gorilla... Anna Harambe is captured. Learning that more rebels are coming, the team chooses to travel through the jungle to the extraction point, just around the river bend. Scout Billy, played by Sonny Landham, listens to his heart and realizes something is hunting them, and it's not a wolf crying to the blue corn <laughs> Meanwhile, Anna attempts an escape. Hawkins catches her, but an invisible creature attacks and kills him while spearing her <laughs> In all his wisdom, Dutch decides that everyone should split up and organize into a search party, and Blaine, played by Jesse the Body Ventura, is almost immediately killed by the creature's plasma cannon. Enraged, Blaine's obviously gay lover, Mac, played by Bill Duke, provokes everyone to empty their collective loads into the jungle, unknowingly wounding the creature. As, as the creature administers first aid to itself, the commandos regroup and realize that they are being hunted again. Dylan still believes two or three gorillas are responsible, but Billy, who can paint with all the colors of the wind, is adamant that their pursuer is not human. They make camp for the night and set traps, which are triggered by a wild boar. Oh right, it's a jungle. <laughs> In the confusion, Mac kills the boar while the creature steals Blaine's bloody yet fabulous corpse. Confused as to how they are constantly being hunted with no evidence of tracks on the ground, Dutch suddenly realizes that he's surrounded by trees. In the jungle. <laughs> Their enemy must be using the trees to travel. Pleased with himself, he frees Anna Harambe, who states that her people have seen similarly mutilated bodies before by a creature they call El Muppet Enojado, or, in American speak, Predator. <laughs> the next day, the group constructs a net trap and inexplicably captures the creature, but it frees itself and Poncho's lefty is injured. <laughs> Mac and Dylan pursue the creature in an operation they call Human Shield, but to everyone's shock, they are outmaneuvered and killed. 
As the survivors flee, Billy stays behind to fight the creature in an operation he calls Human Shield Part 2. The creature immediately kills him, denying the survivors of Billy's ability to sing with all the voices of the mountain. <laughs> with the creature now upon them, Poncho picks up a gun with his righty, as he has no lefty, and is immediately killed. Realizing that the creature does not attack unarmed individuals, Dutch tells the unarmed Ana Harambe to get to the chopper. Dutch attempts to distract the creature in an operation he calls running away. <laughs> but the creature follows him over the river and through the woods to a muddy riverbank where Dutch falls in mud in a soapless place. <laughs> the creature fails to see him and leaves to collect trophies from the others. Dutch realizes the cool mud provided camouflage for his body heat. He crafts makeshift traps and weapons and lures the creature out with a manly war crying torch. Ah! Using his fancy stick and leaf obstacle course, Dutch manages to lightly injure the creature and disable its cloaking device. As the creature corners Dutch, it suddenly becomes concerned with the concept of a fair fight. Removing its mask and plasma cannon in order to fight Dutch hand to hand, despite being overpowered and outsmarted, Dutch attempts to goad the creature into a booby trap. The creature isn't into boobies, though. <laughs> and goes around. <laughs> Dutch triggers the trap anyway, releasing a giant tree trunk he somehow had time to string up above them. <laughs> the trunk falls, partially crushing the creature. With the creature mortally wounded, it activates the self-destruct device, maniacally laughing. Dutch realizes this must be where it got its name from. El Muppet en Ojado. Finally realizing the countdown timer is in fact a countdown timer, Dutch runs for cover, hiding behind some shrubbery for protection as the device explodes into a giant fireball complete with a giant mushroom cloud that bursts far above the jungle canopy. The shrubbery must have... <laughs> the shrubbery must have reduced the nuclear explosion into a gentle zephyr because Dutch is A-OK -okay and is promptly rescued by the instruction helicopter with Ana Harambe already safely on board. <laughs> the end. <laughs> El Muppet in Ohado. <laughs> El Muppet in Ohado. <laughs> Reduce the nuclear explosion into a gentle zephyr. <laughs> oh my god. Predator was released on June 12th, 1987, alongside horror-adjacent movies The Witches of Eastwick and The Believers. Predator would gross more than $12 million on opening weekend, earning the number one spot at the box office. The film would remain in the top 10 for the first four weeks of its release, and worldwide it would gross over $98 million against a budget of $15 to $18 million. It's a modest hit. It is modest, but a hit. Yes. <clears throat> Most of those millions must have went to create that mushroom club. Predator holds an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes and is certified fresh, with an audience score at 87%. The site's consensus reads, Predator, part sci-fi, part horror, part action, all muscle. Wow. Who wrote that? Oh, God. Arnold. <laughs> Audiences pulled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of B+. From contemporary reviews, Janet Maslin of the New York Times described the film as, quote, grisly and dull with few surprises. Dean Lamana wrote in Cinema Fantastique that the militarized monster movie tires under its own derivative weight. <laughs> Michael Wilmington of the Los Angeles Times proclaimed it 
quote, arguably one of the emptiest, feeblest, most derivative scripts ever made as a major studio movie. <laughs> wow, these are reviewers after my own heart. <laughs> they were Alpha Blood. <laughs> Variety wrote that the film was a slightly above average actioner that tries to compensate for tissue thin plot with even more grisly death sequences and impressive special effects. Adam Barker of the Monthly Film Bulletin found that, unfortunately, special effects have also been substituted for suspense, and that the early appearance of the Predator makes the final gladiatorial conflict predictable, and the monster's multiple transformations also exhaust interest in its final appearance. Though finding the creature's motivations poorly explained, critic Roger Ebert was more complimentary of the film, and he wrote, quote, Predator moves at a breakneck pace, it has strong and simple characterizations, it has good location photography and terrific special effects, and it supplies what it claims to supply, an effective action movie. Fair enough. The Hollywood Reporter's Dwayne Burge felt the Predator's weaponized attacks rely too heavily on special effects, but allowed that the film is a well-made, old-style assault movie, and quote, a full assault visual experience. It is. It has some accolades and legacy at the Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects, but it lost to Inner Space, which was the only other movie nominated that year. Yeah, I'm a little weirded out by that because I feel like Robocop was also in the running at least the year, the year prior or the year after. I don't know how the cutoff dates for this and also Aliens, right? So it's like, I don't understand. It had to have been another year. Yeah, I guess. Because over the Saturn Awards, it was nominated for Best Science Fiction Film, but lost to Robocop. Mm -hmm. And Best Actor lost to Jack Nicholson for, of course, the Witches of Eastwick movie. And Best Visual Effects, but lost to Robocop again. That's right. But not to Inner Space, which I would also consider a science fiction that would be at the Saturn Awards. Mm -hmm. That's strange. Anyway, I love Inner Space. So I, very, very much. Uh, Also, I feel like, of course, things lost to it, probably because it was very, very unique. And it was the first time because you saw like live action, like but within someone's body. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. Anyway, I haven't seen that movie in like 25 years. It's really funny, too. Yeah. I enjoy that movie a lot. It won for Best Music at the Saturn Awards. Surprise me. The success of Predator launched a media franchise of films, novels, comic books, video games, and toys. It spawned three sequels and one prequel. So Predator 2 from 1990, Predators from 2010, The Predator 2018, and Prey, which we covered last week. A crossover with the Alien franchise produced the Alien vs. Predator films, which include Alien vs. Predator from 2004 and Alien vs. Predator Requiem from 2007. As we have discussed last week, um, I'm still back on the fucking Saturn Awards. How did it win Best Music against A. Robocop by Basil Palladuris, which we raved about in that episode, or B. Fucking John Williams score for uh, Witches of Eastwick? I don't know, but it did. What a weird year. Weird. Very this is not the score by this person I would have expected to win. I love the score for Witches of Eastwick. I mean, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I just, The Predator won over those two movies? Crazy. I didn't even look to see what was nominated because it won. So, I mean, I I didn't check, but. Yeah, it's just like Alan Silvestri, I think uh, Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, whatever. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Predator has appeared on a number of best of lists. In 2007, Robert Cargill of Real Network's resource ranked Predator as the seventh best film of 1987, calling it, quote, one of the great science fiction horror films often imitated, but never properly duplicated, not even by its own sequel. Although I would argue that in itself, it is an imitation. 1987 had a lot of good movies in it. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we're going to be recovering another one in September. So. Oh. I'm not right now, Street 3. Oh, my goodness. Jam Warriors. Oh. 
<laughs> Entertainment Weekly named it the 22nd greatest action movie of all time in 2007 and the 14th among the, quote, best rock'em soccer movies of the past 25 years. Wow, what a title. In 2009, saying Arnold Schwarzenegger has never been as manly as he was in this alien hunting testosterone fest. <laughs> That's an interesting quantitative data note <laughs> to put in your list. He's so manly in this. I would put Kurt Russell from the thing over him. Just when because of the beard alone. Manliness. The beard alone. Yeah. He's super daddy in that movie, too. In 2008, Empire Magazine ranked it 366th on their list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Predator was ranked fourth. In a 2015 Rolling Stone reader poll of the all-time best action films, it was described by reporter Andy Green as freaking awesome. In a 2018 review for IGN, William Biblani, no, Bibiani? William Bibiani called Predator, quote, the most subversive action movie of the 1980s, and cites examples from the film and satire of the action film genre as a whole. In his review, he writes, Predator may be a big, macho action movie, but it's also highly critical of the kinds of characters you'd normally find in big, macho action movies and the superficial, unquestioningly heroic stories they appear in. I really couldn't agree with that at all. I don't think that it's like satirizing any of that. Like, I think they're just trying to sometimes make that a movie. Fucking bird is just a bird. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like you're really like placing your own hopes and dreams and expectations onto this thing. And we'll get into that a little bit later because, you know, doing our research on this, I found out, you know, what the aspirations of the original writers were, oh. which is, you know, not super subversive. I don't really know anything about the production of this movie or anything. You know, I've just seen it. But I haven't seen it in a very long time since this week, right? Like, it had been at least 20 years Same. or more. Yeah, it's been like about maybe 15 years for me. So, and, <clears throat> I mean, we can talk about this currently, I guess, before we get into, like, the meat of everything. But I remember disliking this movie when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. And so, and I, I really liked Predator 2 a lot more when it came out right around the time that I was, like, 10. It's wacky. And I gave Predator another chance in my teen years and liked it. I just never watched it again after that. Yeah. So it's, it only seems to be like three times. Spoiler alert, we're actually covering Predator 2 over on Patreon. That's right. This month. So mm-hmm. check that out. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really remember seeing it as a kid. I remember seeing it later on, maybe in my teens or 20s and really liking it. You know, and I had seen Predator 2, certainly as a kid. I remember seeing that and I saw it again later on. And I've liked it every time I've seen it. None of them are super memorable. No, you know, certainly as we get into the like the AVP movies or, you know, I remember not liking uh, Predator 2016 or whatever it was. Predators, Predators, right? Adrian Brody. Yes. And then one of those is like an interquel. You know what I mean? So it's supposed to take place between one of the other sequels. I don't know. I've never heard that word before. Well, patrons didn't vote for that. So we're watching Predator 2. And that's fine. Which is good because it continues our chronological order. That's right. And Predator 2 is just the better movie out of the rest of the ones that came after this. Yeah. So, in my opinion. Let's talk about our cast a little bit. Obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger needs no introduction, right? Um, Carl Weathers was a joy in this. I I always love seeing Carl Weathers anyway. Same. But he was great. Um, And then uh, we can quickly go through, like, like Jesse Ventura, uh, obviously, ended up being, like, either... He was an actual governor, right? He was the governor of Minnesota for many, many years. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was fun. And he's, he, I, I think this cast is great, honestly. I loved Bill Duke um, as Mac Elliott. Um, everyone was great. Although I do want to say the guy that making the dirty jokes at the beginning, uh, Shane Black, mm-hmm. 
I didn't make this connection earlier. I guess I'm an idiot or something, but he also ended up being, he was an actor in this and he actually was an uncredited script doctor for this. Really? And then later on, went on to, of course, direct <laughs> Predators. The Predator. Or The Predator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, we talked about last week because that's when Prey was pitched. That's right. And, of course, Sonny Lanham, which I think got a start in porn. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's been in a bunch of stuff too like in the 80s and, and early 90s I think as a Native American man um, in different roles and yeah so there's just a big macho cast here that was you know well cast and and did their jobs perfectly really, well I mean it is like a fucking sausage fest in this movie right yeah except for Anna Harambe Anna Harambe <laughs> who's played by Epelita Carrillo right yeah. and like she was good you know, like she was, she was, good she was great. Role. I think that she was kind of maybe over, overcast. Like she was, a ta- she was a ta- clearly a talent for that role. And all she needed yeah. to do was like, show up, you know, show up. And she acted the shit out of it. So, I mean, she, she was, she was good. I mean, I liked, I liked all the cast. Like that's the thing is that like <clears throat> the characters themselves are, are memorable enough. Like they're distinguishable from each other. Yeah. Despite wearing all the same kinds of clothes and whatnot. I mean, like. They they all have their own like mannerisms and characteristics and it makes them fun. You like get to know them really, really quickly. And that it's important in movies like this. You don't have to have a lot of time to like get to know your cast. And like when some of them die, you do feel like you know them, so it means something. Yeah. When they're dead. You know, it's not just like people oh, getting We've been interested in not just you know, they're not just like nameless, faceless people. Exactly. Yeah. Although I did laugh at one of those jokes. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. The, the echo the, one. The cavernous vagina jokes? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. So <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah, and he actually came up with those himself. So oh. that tells you anything. He doctored the <laughs> shit out of that joke. That's yeah. probably why he's uncredited. <laughs> we're like, we're taking your credit away for that joke, but we're leaving it in the film. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about the background a little bit, you know, and it's like, I came out of this movie thinking, okay, this might be a little derivative. You know, this seems like it's kind of a cash grab amalgamation of a bunch of action movies in the 80s that had come before it. Yeah. And other ideas, essentially. And come to find out following the release of Rocky four, a joke circulated in Hollywood that since Rocky Balboa had run out of earthly opponents, he would have to fight an alien if a fifth film were to be made. So screenwriters, Jim and John Thomas new to that job, apparently took the inspiration from the joke and wrote a screenplay based on it. So this screenplay was based on that joke. Jesus Christ, not to be subversive, but literally just on a joke to see if they could do it. And they did. And they made a lot of money. Yep. So as the Thomas brothers were obviously first time screenwriters with little credibility in Hollywood, they struggled to attract attention for their proposed film and eventually resorted to slipping the script under the door of the 20th century <laughs> Fox producer, Michael Levy, who would go on, of course, to serve as executive producer on the film's sequel, Predator 2. So Levy then uh, brought the screenplay to producer Joe Silver, who, based on his experience with 1985's Commando, also starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. decided to turn the science fiction pulp storyline into a big budget movie. And history was made. That's right. And everyone's dreams came true. Yeah. They're like, this is going to sell tickets. We don't give a shit. Let's do it. And it did. I mean, this movie was very popular. It was like, you know, a bet against the the stupidity and and shallowness of Hollywood. And they won. (laughs) So uh, filming took place in Mexico on and off between March and June of 1986 for reasons that will become apparent later. 
I was going to say, why? Why on and off? <laughs> uh, so the film provided a variety of hardships on the actors, like leeches and snakes and stifling <gasps> humidity, heat, rough terrain. That scorpion was probably real because uh, scorpions would come onto their uh, sets. And so would snakes constantly. And uh, all of the night scenes were filmed during freezing cold temperatures. They didn't do this in the summer. There was apparently a, a you know a very cold spring there. Which was apparently hard on Arnold Schwarzenegger in particular during the latter half of the movie when he had to be completely like half naked and covered in mud, which was actually pottery clay. Oh, my God. (laughs) And it would become cold and wet. And so he was warned it would take his body temperature down a few degrees. And so he shivered nonstop even when they tried to heat him up with lamps and it just made the clay dry out (laughs) and encased him as a human pottery sculpture. And so he tried to uh, to drink a, a Jagger tea or a, you know, like a schnapps mixture to warm him up. That just got him drunk. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what the feeling was. He also like blew out his knee and there's like injuries. And it was just it, it was always uphill or downhill. And so like their knees were like constantly over the back part of their legs just all day. And so like all of the guys just had horrible times during this this movie. I called that shit, too, because I was watching this movie <clears throat> and they got into the water at a certain point, And I was like, I bet there's leeches in there. I was just like, <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, oh, that looks refreshing. And I was like, oh, but leeches. <laughs> yeah, completely. <clears throat> oh, God, I hate leeches. So, I mean, all of that contributed to the look and feel of the film, right? Uh, and some of the reviewers actually mentioned that this was cinematography of this film is actually quite good. Although I would rel- I would say not really. I don't I didn't like the, the exposure as much at night. I thought it was a little grainy um, and maybe a little overexposed during the day. And I didn't really like the the framing that they used i feel like they could have gone anamorphic or something like that and i don't know it just uh it seemed like a lot of cinematography is kind of happenstance due to the beautiful or you know surrounding that they're in the lush jungle right the rainforest the jungle looked really good and i think they sort of lucked into that well they probably scouted locations or whatever like like they should and i'm not trying to shit on this i'm just saying like i don't know that the cinematography is anything to write home about in predator no i don't think so in fact a lot of it felt like watching a tv show really I mean, it's exactly what I thought. I was like, this literally could be like some sort of like sci-fi channel movie just from the way that it looked sometimes and acted. Although, you know, back then I'm sure it looked pretty slick, you know, but it doesn't hold up next to say like Aliens, which came out essentially in the same year. It does not. You know, this movie looks and feels very dated at this point. Yeah. Lots of it. Yeah. Although the special effects were appreciated at the time for sure. They were, and they were different, you know, because I remember, like, the thing that I liked the most about this movie when I saw it for the first time as a kid was everything involving the Predator, obviously. Well, that's Stan Winston, and both Aliens and Predator have something in common there, right, Mm -hmm. with Stan Winston. And I just, I really, I really like those things, but watching it this time, um, you know, with 20 years, you know, since my last watch, and also having seen all the advances that we've made in film since then, like some of the special effects, I'm just like, Ooh, like it just, it doesn't look as good. Well, like in prey, they have better technology now. So they were actually able to use like heat vision, you mm-hmm. know, stuff back then they had it, but it bodies weren't warm enough to actually show up on it. Right. And so they had to do extra stuff to make that work and that photography work and kind of cheat it in a way to make it show up. The predator cloak was done with like multiple passes, uh, you know, on the the same thing and then do it with like a wider lens so that there was like warping in the environment of the outline of some guy that was like roughly the same size and shape as a predator. Mm -hmm. And so that was how that was done. But it kind of looks a little hokey, but at least it was done kind of not computer generated. You know what I mean? It just looks like it might as well have been. Yeah. Oh, like like really, really early. 
bad computer generated. I don't know. I just, I mean, that's the thing that really was taking me out of it the most, right? Was the, the like the Predator cloak, the invisibility yeah. part of it. Because it looks really good in Prey. Like, really, really good. And obviously we've made advances, but... Yeah, like, but even then, that's like that's a, also kind of the worst thing in Prey. We already mentioned that last week. To me, it was like the most hokey part of it was that cloak, right? And it's like there's no way that it can look super real. My favorite parts of it, I think, uh, from from both as far as that effect, is when it's there and the audience can see it, or like you might have missed it your first time watching it and you see it. Like there's a scene in here where it's on like a tree limb or it's in the distance, and you can literally see a slight difference in the background, and it's there, but it's not super obvious. Mm-hmm. But they play it. Like he, like the characters are looking for it and it's there and you can see it, but you may, but not everyone might because they're not looking hard enough, you know? So it's like, those are the, like the subtle horror, right? The, the tension builders, if people are, are eagle eyed enough, they can see that the predator is there. And so those are my favorite parts, but they're very, very few and far between. Yeah. Cause that's something else that I was thinking about while watching this is that obviously I like horror movies, right? I mean, I'm not a huge action movie fan. Now, some of the ones from the 80s are all right, but like there were a lot in the 80s, yeah, right? Yeah, this is the same director that did like Die Hard. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. And so like whenever the Predator is finally on screen for a lot more time or we realize that this is what the movie actually is, it takes that, that really weird turn from action movie to like sci-fi horror. And that's when the movie starts to get good for me. And I remember being a lot more scared when I was younger by this, but I was just, I wasn't really feeling tense watching this either i was like they really could have ramped up the horror well, aspects a lot more yeah the 80s it's just uh i don't know like back then it was probably really groundbreaking and, and interesting stuff like there's a lot of action and big explosions and bloodbathy kind of stuff happening uh as the open action set piece which mm-hmm. is of course them versus the gorillas right right and then we get into the predator stuff and it gets gorier and and more intense from like a horror standpoint and all of that stuff is well done they got a competent action director you know, um, in John McTiernan, but unfortunately, like the script just, you know, the script just isn't, isn't there. There's no subtext to this movie. There's no subplot. Even Die Hard has a couple of things going on layered in, right? This doesn't really. No, this is very, very straightforward. Like, and for a 1987 movie compared to like today, we need something else in there because a lot of stuff has been done since then. You know what I mean? And so for it to, to age well, it needed something a little more, you know, oomph that every other movie of the time really had. Aliens had. Alien had. You know? I mean, I didn't. I don't want to, like, just lump this in with other... Rambo. <laughs> I could what? keep listing them. Rambo, Rocky, like, all oh, the things that this Dumbo. is based on. <laughs> well, there's some weird subtext in Dumbo, too. <laughs> yeah. <so> we're going <laughs> to ignore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and I don't want to, like, just lump this in with other 80s action movies, right? Because they were plentiful. Um, and these are things that my brother liked a lot. Like my brother watched Predator a lot when we were younger. Oh yeah. I'm sure it really scratches the itch for a lot of like all the, the, the men that are into masculinity, um, which, you know, more than gay men is the straight men of a certain age. (laughs) Yes. I would say that is the case. And I'm sure like, I mean, when you have movies like Commando coming out and then Rambo and first blood, all those things, right. There was just a lot of them and you had to do something different no matter what to like have a successful movie. And I feel like, I mean, with, with the predator and that alien, they did that. Um, But when we talk about the movie itself in a little bit, I think it just tries to be a lot of things at the same time. And yeah, and, and we'll get more into that later. We're still talking about like the look and feel, right? We even yeah. talked about like the makeup, right? Uh, or or the uh, I would well, the say I, I guess the stand the creature effects, right? Yeah. So like the original Predator creature was created by uh, Richard Edlund of Boss Film Studios, but it was a disproportionate, ungainly, 
with large yellow eyes and a dog-like head. What? And nowhere near as agile as necessary for what the filmmakers had intended. So after a call was put out for a new alien creature costume, creature effects artist Rick Baker put in a bid. Of course, he's, you know, American werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, but ultimately, McTiernan consulted Stan Winston, which, you know, was awesome. Now, this is an interesting little anecdote. So while on a plane ride to Fox Studios alongside Aliens director James Cameron, who coincidentally also wrote one of those Rambo movies that just had come out. (laughs) Winston sketched monster ideas. So Cameron suggested he always wanted to see a creature with mandibles, which became part of the predator's iconic look. So (laughs) it's not only taking uh, like intentionally from other movies. It was also incidentally (laughs) from. (laughs) Uh, I still think that the predator looks fucking neat. Yeah. No, that's why that's what made it a franchise really Mm -hmm. is the predator. Right. And it's just, it's design. It's overall design and it looked really cool and you don't get to see it a lot in the movie. Right. That's the one thing that I think this does kind of well, no matter what we feel about like the cloak, the cloaking of it. Like if the design, if the design was stupid uh, or laughable, then you know, it wouldn't have lasted and it wouldn't no. be the, it wouldn't have it certainly wouldn't have been used in 2022's prey. No, not at all. And I feel like, I feel like because you only get to see it like briefly, it keeps it kind of mysterious. Yes. Right. And I can't really remember a lot of predator too, but I feel like you get to see it a lot more, you know? Um, but like, it's, it's kind of shocking. And I remember seeing the predator for the very first time. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Cause it looked really cool. Yeah. It's also doing some interesting things like thematically, I think with like the alien, which we're used to aliens being, you know, all highfalutin, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, high technology and kind of doing things passively from afar or other things, experimentation and things like that. Um, you know, with the, some exceptions of like, you know, war of the worlds where they're kind of behind an armor sheath, you know, in these big robots or whatever. But in this, it's literally like, well, you could say like Star Trek's Klingon or something, right? Which mm-hmm. is a lot more warrior-like, hands-on hunter situation. And that was fairly original, uh, certainly for like one of them to be uh, an antagonist of a of an entire tentpole movie. I mean, I would agree with that, right? Because I mean, all of the technology that this alien has is about killing things, right? Like, well, that we know of. I mean, they have a spaceship, but I assume that spaceship is pretty decked out with military weapons. Yeah. And I mean, so like, it is just a fucking hunter. And I don't know. I just, I really, really like the way the Predator looks. And and James Cameron's right. Like the mandibles kind of like make it. Yeah. I'm sure that reveal, that original, because I know what a Predator looks like. But for new audiences or new people that don't know what a Predator is, and you see that thing on mass for the first time, and it looks real because it's Stan Winston, you know, it's animatronic. So it did. And I remember, I remember what it was like to see that without its mask on for the very first time. And I was blown away by it as a kid. I was Mm -hmm. like, that just looks fucking neat. Like, this is why I like monster movies when I was a kid, you know, for like big things like that. It wasn't until much later that I liked more subtle horror, but like, at the time, though, I just needed I needed more Predator in my life. And it is a monster. It might as well be Jungle Thing instead of Swamp Thing or, mm-hmm. you know, one of those the creature from the Black Lagoon. doesn't matter. The only thing that's telling us that he's really, like, you know, from outer space is the technology and, of course, the, the title card sequence, With a, you know, where the, the ship, ship comes and drops him off. Yeah. All of the Thing 1982 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It looks very similar to that. Mm-hmm. So the score was composed, as we said, by Alan Silvestri, who was coming off the you know huge success of Back to the Future from 1985. 
Uh, and the anecdote from that is that they kept going back to him and being like, make it bigger, make it bigger, make it bigger, because they were doing this for Steven Spielberg, who was producing that movie. And they wanted to show him something that was more in line with, with his work. And so they're like, make it like John Williams, make it like John Williams. Yeah. And so he did that until he got the iconic score for Back to the Future. Obviously, that didn't happen here. Uh, Predator was his first major action movie, and the score is full of his familiar genre characteristics like the heavy horn blast, staccato string rhythms, uh, the undulating timpani rolls, and the highlight of the action it are all like the highlight of the action and suspense. The themes, uh, if you could call them themes, there's kind of a the drum theme, and then there's like the for the military, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of an orchestral theme for Predator, but not really. They're like light motifs or character motifs. So, but those themes, nonetheless, have been used in every Predator sequel, with the exception of 2022's Prey. Which had a fucking amazing score. Which had the best score, in my yeah. opinion, compared to... I mean, like, this one... Because I, I failed to realize that it was Alan Silvestri until we talked about it in that last episode, right? And so I was, like, really paying attention to it this time, and I was like, oh, like, it's just okay. You know, yeah, like, it's good for background. Um, I was listening to it in isolation today while I was making all those notes and doing all the research, and um, yeah, it's it's good. It's not bad. It's not a bad score at all. It's Alan Silvestri, right? Yeah, it's just not iconic. You nope. know, and there's I mean, there's no memorable. I can't I can't think of or or whistle the tune of of Predator theme right now. I mean, I couldn't either. And like, I feel like I feel like it was serviceable. Not that that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it's no. just like they, they keep saying theme, and I'm like, hmm. Well, I mean, a theme would uh, imply that it is played often throughout the movie, right? And I don't remember music being A theme or a motif, right? Normally, like, we think of a theme, we think of Yoda's theme or Princess Leia's theme or something like that, you know what I mean? Um, But, you know, Scarlet fucking O'Hara's theme. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, this doesn't really have one to me. It's just like the movie's score. I mean, it sounds like the score for an action movie. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yep. So that's it. I'm going to open this beer. We're talking about action movies still. So unfortunately, if we're going to talk about the movie itself, I st- there's kind of not a lot to talk about, right? Like the, there's themes. Like I, I got nothing other than, you know, what we've already talked about. Uh, it's pretty threadbare. Like there's no real themes, at least not original ones. I mean, you could talk about maybe human expendability in these types of scenarios. The aliens did it better. Alien did it better. Yeah. Uh, Rambo has touched on that, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. Human coming over adversity, survival, you know, same things that are in, in prey, just not, it's all just kind of baked in incidentally because the movie has nothing to say about it. I mean, there's, there are no themes in this. It is very, very straightforward. It is just an action movie. It's a sci-fi action movie with nothing to say really, yeah. except like come watch this and have a good time. There's almost you know? like no plot either. There's, it's just, you know, point A to point B. There's no ABB plot or ABBA plot or one of those, no. uh, you know, it's like, I got nothing there either. There's no subtext. There's no subplot. Um, you know, you could say prey has the subplot of the brother and sister and the survivability and community and nature and blah, blah, blah. This doesn't. You know, nope. Alien has the expendable nature, you know, um, and the uh, commercialism and capitalism and aliens is kind of echoing that theme a little bit, although it adds another layer of like motherhood to that. This doesn't have that. I'm trying to I'm, I'm only comparing those because they um, influenced each other. They're part of the same kind of franchise and they came out around the same time. And they share some talent. <laughs> they, they share some talent. They came out around the same time. And I mean, like, obviously they they have a lot more to say. And I feel like a lot more thought was maybe put into the development of those screenplays, 
You know, there's a lot more, there are many, many, many more ideas running around in all those movies. Well, Dan O'Bannon is not the Thomas brothers, you know? No. <laughs> so it's like, we got, and I mean, I'm not disparaging. I mean, like no. they, 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 they did what they set out to do. You know, they, they wrote an entertaining action movie and straightforward and simple can be good. I mean, look at like Mad Max Fury Road, but even then that has its themes and subplots and subtext. You well, know? even fucking Mad Max from around this time period, yeah. right? Or the Road Warrior, right? There's, there's a lot of things that are being said in some of these movies, right? Some of that I would consider very genre. I think what we're getting at is like the rewatchability of this, right? Which is Completely. like, there's just nothing more to unpack or think about. There's not. And I think this is why I have not gone back to watch this movie that many times because you've seen it. And you're like, okay, I don't really need to see that again. There's nothing that I miss. And the moments aren't so iconic. Like it has some cool one-liners. It has some, some interesting imagery and some cool moments, but nothing, you know, again, to wrongly compare nothing like get away from her, you bitch type of situation. You know what I mean? I mean, get to the chopper is a a, line. (laughs) really, it's an iconic line at this point. You know what I mean? But I feel like it's more iconic just because of people saying it like Schwarzenegger. Right. And I mean, every, every single one of his movies has something that people like to quote that he says, and this is just, is just predators quote, you know, but he says, get to the chopper more than once. And it's only that one time that it's really famous. But he says that throughout the movie because that's what this movie is about. Right. They're trying to get to the chopper. That's that's the point <laughs> of the movie. It. They're like, OK, yeah. we have to go. Get you to could the say chopper. that there's like, um, you know, a government trust, trust in government type of situation there because they're there on false pretenses. But it's it's really just to, to it was a kind of a device to make, okay, this is Arnold's team. They're good guys because they come in to rescue people. They're not there to attack, right, necessarily. But they do. They're not there. They're not assassins. He says that, right? Um, it, that's how it turns out because they're stuck. You know, they have to get the job done. So they were kind of pulled there under false pretenses. But I feel like that was just kind of a, a characterization or narrative device to, to get them to the jungle. Well, to that and to frame them as not just like fucking mindless mercenaries to no. make them more like good guys. Yes, I mean, but they're killing these gorillas just out of revenge for killing his friends you know, or someone that he knew and respected from the military, right? So, I mean, like, ultimately, he's yeah, mad. They were seen as faceless terrorists, you know? Yeah, and so, I don't know. The thing about this movie and its story is that what they did was, like, they, they took pieces from all the other action movies that were being made at the time and sort of threw them into the same movie. Certainly Rambo. Right, so you have all this, like vietnam war talk right which we could see in things like first blood you know and jungle stuff which you could see from other like action movies you know of the time so i mean like it, they literally just made a by the numbers action movie and they threw an alien into it to be kind of different yeah right? and then of course you know because of other things that were happening and schwarzenegger got involved and you know without schwarzenegger without stan winston this movie would not be remembered no it would not i mean for Carl Weathers, probably, yeah. you know, but, um, well, I could go back and watch any, any given John Claude Van Damme movie from the eighties too. Right. But I'm not. No. I, I, I <laughs> it would just even, be like that. You know, I can't even think of a Jean Claude Van Damme movie I've seen more than one time. <laughs> well, there you go. So, yeah. And this one too, you're right. Rewatchability is what it comes down to. And that's always something that we talk about whenever we, make our ratings for movies our final rating out of our star rating and if if i'm not interested in watching something again like my rating gets lower yeah and it's like on my rewatch i was thinking it must have had been you know some dude or dudes thinking they'd want to 
make some sort of mashup between Alien, Aliens, Rambo, uh, Commando, or, you know, upon doing my research, obviously, uh, I was proven right based on that anecdote about the writers, you know, crafting the screenplay based on a joke about Rocky. And that's all it takes. I mean, like, sometimes movies are just made at the right time, you know, and they'll make a lot of money. You know, and obviously, like, this genre of movie was very, very popular then. I, I think in ways that it's never been popular since. And it was competently made. It was. Of course. And, yeah. you know, there was great parts of it. Um, I did have some problems with this movie, like, in and of itself, though, outside of just, like, the background of its unoriginality uh, or ways it created originality from derivative its derivative nature. But like, to me, like the pacing is all over the place. Like it, there's lots of intermittent scenes of them traveling through the jungle, many of which are the kind of the same. And I found myself wondering if this film could have been a short, if you just stuck with the action set pieces, it would have been about 30 minutes long. I mean, this is exactly what I was saying while watching. I was falling asleep. Yep. I was just like, okay, like this movie starts out and it's like, bam, 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 bam. And then it just slogs for a little bit. When it's, when it's going, when it has action, it's at its best, obviously. But when it's trying to draw itself out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could have used montages. You know, it could have used, you know, any number of devices other than just following them. You know, and th- these are probably only 30 to 45 seconds, sometimes two to up to two to three minutes of just watching them travel through the jungle carefully with that same repetitive tension building music on the end uh, or in the backside. And it's just like, I, I literally, I, I, this never happens to me. But I was I was starting to fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, I was I was falling asleep myself. And and the thing is, to like I like we're a horror podcast, right? And we we talk about horror adjacent movies as well. But I feel like they they really could have played up some of the horror in this a lot more than what they did. And maybe they were afraid to make it too much of a horror. Yeah, movie, and that's subjective, you know. Yeah. But I mean, like they're like the. There are some parts that are genuinely creepy, you know, like when they're hearing the voices that it recorded in the jungle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. That's a creepy moment to be by yourself in a place where there's not other people around, really. And pieces of that have been taken, too. Like, um, you know, the ruins. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, I feel like it just could have been more of a horror movie than than what it is. So, yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of action fans are like, oh, I can't deal with that amount of horror. You know, that's true. Kind of tricked into it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's very, very subjective. But this is, you know, a horror and horror adjacent podcast. You know, and this movie sells itself as a action horror. Yeah, it does. And we've got to remember, like, what people were going to see at the time. Because if you think about the poster for Predator or, like, the video art, right, it's Schwarzenegger, like, holding a gun. It has nothing about the alien on it. It says Predator. It has Schwarzenegger dressed up, obviously, as a soldier. And that's the way they were marketing this movie. And, you know, it's, what sucks is, like, I feel like they could have added a lot of subtext with some of these characters, like the gorilla character. I thought that was really interesting, her anecdote about, like, what the people call it. Yep. You know, and stuff like that. Of course, we jokingly called it, you know, the angry Muppet, <laughs> you know, in Spanish or whatever. But Muppet, they had actually another, uh, like, when it gets too hot, it comes. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. You know, it, like, raises an eyebrow. It makes me start thinking. Anything that makes me start to think a little bit. I also was really, really interested in the character, the Native American character of Billy. You know, especially after watching Prey and then the illusion that he is some sort of like reincarnation mm-hmm. of Tob from Prey. You know, of course, that's all tacked on back, you know, in 2022. But I really wanted to see the fight between Billy. You know, I would have loved a little bit more Billy, a little more backstory for Billy. Maybe some sort of illusion, just like um, 
hey, you know, our people have a story about this too. And then them trade stories about it around a, camp, a creepy campfire scene or something. And to give a little bit extra weight to Billy's confrontation with Predator, because I thought I remembered there was a confrontation and that was going to be badass, you know, on that log to cross the river. And he screams off camera. That's it. I know. And it follows Arnold. And I'm just like, that pissed me off. It's really infuriating, actually. I'm like, you do all of this, like the only intrigue in this movie is with Billy. And then it just has him die off screen. I was just like, really? All the people of color, back to back to back, are the human shields for fucking Arnold. And I don't want to, you know, put the mantle of some sort of racism on this movie. Please. But that's just what literally happens in the movie. (laughs) I mean, it does. And the thing is, so like, interestingly, if you don't see someone die on screen... Right. What do you think? Because this question was posed to me. Right. So if if you didn't see them die on screen, is he dead or is can he still be alive? And I'm like, well, he screamed, you know, so I think we can kind of assume that he's dead. But ultimately, we didn't see him die. He's like the one character that we don't see die who dies there. Yeah. And that, which is so weird. Yeah. Such a weird choice. So it's like, maybe they ran out of blood money, you yeah. know, by the time they were filming well, that. And there's, there's an urban legend that they filmed it, that it's laying around on the cutting room floor somewhere and they did it for time or whatever. But they, the filmmakers have responded to that and said, no, he was always intended to die off screen. Well, I think that is the official answer from the filmmakers and the writers. He was always I think intended. It's really, really dumb. Maybe Billy, you know, that, you know, that actor, like, um, you know, Landon, like really, brought something extra to the role, but I think there's a lot of intrigue built into that character and that he knows something is hunting them when there's no sign of it before anyone dies from it. He knows. Well, no, I mean, he was my favorite character in this movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like him a lot. Um, so rightly they look at that and they're like, what was missing from predator and what can we do better? And they made prey. You know what I mean? It's true. Um, also involving the pacing. I feel like the end of this movie, like the final confrontation takes a long time to get to, it does. Like when it's Arnold by himself, finally, right? And we know I'm like, all right, we're getting to the the crescendo of this movie, right? And it's so long of a crescendo. I'm like, all right, he's making booby traps. He's getting ready. He's mudding himself. And he is lucky as hell at every step of it because he has plot armor. And it's so yeah. obvious after seeing how quickly all the other characters die. He doesn't have a weapon at this point anymore, you know, and he is alone or whatever. And the predator just decides to have a fair fight at this point and just like, you know, cause people are saying, Oh, it's because he deemed him a worthy opponent. No, the other, he was injured by the other characters and he didn't mm-hmm. deem them worthy. Nope. He fucking killed their asses because he was invisible and had a hand, you know, like a sh- fucking shoulder cannon. Right. And so it's just like, and then the nuke at the end and he survives. It's just like, no, this yeah. is this turned into an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, which is basically what it ended up being because he had script approval. And so originally it was going to be just Arnold, but he Arnold is the actual one that actually brought in all the other characters into it. Otherwise, it was just going to be literally one guy in the jungle of the whole movie. Oh, my God. How fucking boring. I know. And so that's what, you know, thank you, Arnold, for, you know, my God, that piece of he it. did. That, that was an amazing choice. Like, we thank you enough. You know what I mean? And because it's the other characters in this movie besides him that are far more interesting, you know. Yeah. So it was meant to be like a Sylvester Stallone, you know. Uh, vehicle and it turned into an Arnold vehicle and then he got script approval and got to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do and he made it better. And he had two kind of like large movie. Well, I don't know if you consider The Running Man to be a large movie, but mm-hmm. 1987 was a pretty big year for Arnold Schwarzenegger as far as genre work goes because well, he has Predator, he has Running Man, right? Both kind of science fiction-y action movies. I tend, I like The Running Man better, you know, 
Yeah, this is only Arnold's barely. time, you know, like, yeah. you know, 83 or 84, whenever Terminator came out mm-hmm. to essentially like 88, 89 was, you know, peak Arnold Schwarzenegger pop culture. And I would say, I mean, like we were talking about this off mic, but after Predator, I feel like Predator and Running Man, same year, I, I feel like he started to make more comedies until like Total Recall came around. And then after that, he sort of went back to comedy. So like. Yeah. He became a really popular actor and a likable actor. Yeah. And likable honestly, enough to be a governor. Yeah, just well, like there were two governors Jesse in this Ventura. movie. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. And a film director. Um, <laughs> but also uh, we should have mentioned Terminator, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, not just, you know, Commando, but Terminator and Terminator. Well, not Terminator 2 yet, but mm-hmm. Terminator to come out. And it's kind of a role reversal. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's that piece of it, too. Like, oh, it's uh, someone from the future with a lot of technology or whatever. Let's just make it an alien and pit it against Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's just super derivative yeah. of, of mashup, really. You know, but you could argue nothing comes from nothing. Everything comes from something. You know, this one's just super fucking obvious and basic about it. Do you want to know <laughs> my least, the thing that made me the most mad watching this movie? What? Was the fucking sitcom-like end credits. Oh my God! Where all the fucking characters are looking up and smiling that. at the camera. I couldn't believe it when that started happening. I was like, is this new? Like, I don't remember this. I didn't remember it either. And so I was, I was watching it and I was like... What the fuck? I half expected that they'd be like, everywhere you go, everywhere you, you know. It's, there's a place, there's a high, whatever the fuck that song is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I expected there to be like, or whatever from Friends or something like, I don't know. It was just like all of them just like looking away from camera and then like looking into the camera and smiling or giving the thumbs up or something. Yeah. It was so cheesy and like TV like. And it just re- it re- reminded me at the end of this movie, I was like, this feels like a TV movie, you know, or a TV show. And they literally had the end credits just like it. It cheapens it, but it also gives me this weird kind of taste in my mouth, you know, about, oh, we know this is going to be super successful. So we're just going to put all these actors at the end, smiling into the camera with their names. And, you know, and maybe it was an homage to them knowing they went through hell making it. You know, yeah. as the thank you Well, that and but- like... It's just another way for us to. It kind of like, seemed gross, though. I mean, I just think it's weird and kind of stupid. You know, I don't think it's needed in like a in a feature film, a theatrical feature film. You don't need to do that. I can't imagine that in any movie. But I'm just like starting to think about other movies. Like, could you imagine at the end of like Schindler's List that looks like Neam Neeson looking into the camera and giving a smile? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that would have been like a little lighthearted addition to that. But like, the only good thing about it though is that like I wanted to like see these these actors' names again and and get some good clear shots of their faces mm-hmm. because like the camera cuts a lot. The editing in this movie is kind of ridiculous. You don't get to see people very very long. It's like cut 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 cut. But except for the thirty minutes where they're all unleashing their load into the jungle, for un- yeah, inexplicably. I was like, how long is this scene going to take place? I know, and I was like, now they're out like, of bullets. I feel like they're like <laughs> mowing the, <laughs> literally like mowing the lawn with their guns. Well, they they, they clear the forest. With they their guns. are because they stopped shooting all the guns and like a little tree branch was like floop. <laughs> like, oh my god, y'all, like save some of the bullets. I, I was actually wondering that myself. I was like, that's. A huge amount of bullets. You just spray it in there. I don't, I don't think you took like five more tons of bullets for the minigun. No. Because that thing's rate of fire is just insane. Oh, no. I just this, this fucking end credits, man. I was just guffawing with laughter because <laughs> I completely forgot that was part Everywhere of the movie. you look. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, do you have any fun facts for me? I assume there are. I do. 
Yes, I do. And, you know, actually, originally, this wasn't an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle or a Sylvester Stallone. They had actually cast Jean-Claude Van Damme. Really? As the Predator. Actually, it was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but Jean-Claude Van Damme was, um, or Van Damme, was originally cast as the Predator himself with the intent that the physical action star would use his martial arts skills to make the Predator an agile ninja-like hunter. Okay. Right? So Van Damme was removed from the film and replaced by the seven foot two Kevin Peter Hall, who had just finished work as the Sasquatch in Harry and the Hendersons. <gasps> we love Harry and the Hendersons. So that's the Predator next time you watch that movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a versatile character. Yeah, and he stood he next is. to fucking, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like six foot one. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, they say he wears risers or whatever, but um he's uh, actually like, like five about. Or yeah. Okay. Well, he's already the five eleven is still over average tall, right? Yeah, you know we can't yeah, all five eleven. You're five eleven. Yeah, I thought you were six. No, five eleven. Mm. I'm not quite. I'm an inch off. I'm six one. Okay. Well, now everyone knows our heights. No, I mean, clearly you win. And a collective, <laughs> and a collective two thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Together we weigh a ton, <laughs> and one of us is tall. <laughs> yeah so uh, obviously you know the predator as a little ninja guy you know next to arnold schwarzenegger that would be like bruce lee versus you know you know lebron james or something you know? yeah i mean if it has all these weapons and stuff though does it really need to be an agile ninja like hunter didn't want people to just start rooting for the predator because you know it's david and goliath <laughs> i'm but we kind of do anyway but it turns it turns David and Goliath into the Arnold Schwarzenegger versus the seven foot two predator, you know, which is oh, rightly true, yeah. rightly so, you know, Goliath. Goliath versus Goliath. Otherwise, it would have been you know opposite. Anyway, so he was fired. A few weeks into filming, production halted so that Schwarzenegger could go to his wedding on time, flying oh. to Hyannisport in his Learjet that was chartered by Joel Silver, the producer. Schwarzenegger was married on April twenty sixth, nineteen eighty six, to Maria Shriver. That's almost two years to the day of Chernobyl. Anyway, no, literally, I think that was Chernobyl, 1986, right? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, and uh, they honeymooned for only three days while the second unit completed additional filming. I believe they're still married, right? Are they? Excuse me? Are they still married? Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Did you miss all that pop culture? What? Oh, did he fuck a nanny too? He fucked a nanny and had a son and she found oh. out about it when the son was like 15 years old and they very publicly got a divorce. Oh, I didn't think they got a divorce. I thought she just forgave That him. happened at the end of his, his gubernatorial situation. I mean, I remember the nanny part. I didn't, I didn't really. Yeah, he fucked left. a nanny and he has another son. Like, yeah, I mean, I knew that too. He was now getting pictures by paparazzi and he works out with them and stuff. So for some reason I feel, I felt like Maria Shriver like stuck with him. And- no, 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 no. <laughs> okay nope i mean good all. for her don't don't put up with that shit she's a kennedy she is she's you're a, you're a goddamn kennedy <laughs> she's not to put up with that shit <laughs> i don't care if you're a governor <laughs> she has another governor from this cast she can go to <laughs> that's right the body <laughs> so carl weathers said that the actors would secretly wake up as early as 3 a.m to work out before the day's shooting Weathers also stated that he would act as if his physique was naturally given to him and would work out only after the only other actors were nowhere to be seen. But why, though? 
masculine bullshit. I don't know what to tell you. Was naturally given to him by God? It goes on. Jesse Ventura was delighted to find out from the wardrobe department that his arms were one inch bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Oh my God, just whip it out, y'all. He suggested to Schwarzenegger that they measure arms with the winner getting a bottle of champagne. Ventura lost because Schwarzenegger had told the wardrobe department to tell Ventura that his arms were bigger. I could not work on this fucking set and deal with these fragile male egos. Jesse Ventura, I don't even have this in here. Jesse Ventura uh, did a quote unquote prank on Arnold when he doused himself in the water bottle or whatever before Arnold would come in to work out, making it seem as though he had been in there for an hour working out because he thought it was drenched in sweat. And so Arnold had to wake up an hour earlier so he could work out earlier too. This is fucking. Isn't ridiculous. this fucking exhausting? It really fucking is. I just can't. I cannot with the fragility <laughs> of these muscular men. Give yeah. me a fucking break, y'all. Oh, that's gross, too. <laughs> so Dutch's line, get to the chopper, is Arnold Schwarzenegger's personal favorite catchphrase of all of his films that he appears in. Really? Theoretically. I would have thought of an Asta La Vista or something, but. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah. Or even like one from the comedies or whatever the fuck. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. My favorite quote from any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is not even said by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's said by that little kid in kindergarten cop. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. It's just really important information to remember. Okay. Well, I know. I think if you feel like if you came out and said that in a public setting, they wouldn't realize it was from a movie. <laughs> no. And they think you. I would just look really, really insensitive. Had an extra chromosome <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite time of day is night <laughs> girls have penis men have a vagina wait reverse that <laughs> obviously that's not my favorite quote it just makes me laugh anyway get to the chopper is by far not even one of the, like it's, it's nowhere near the top for oh, me it's gotta be near the top get to the chopper it's not the it's not the top for me but it's definitely near it What's the, uh, there's a band, right? That has all the, the names of their songs are yeah. all Schwarzenegger quotes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure get to the choppers one of them. Oh, yeah. You can, you can bet on that. Yeah. Bet your bottom dollar. And I know you won't. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the predator's blood, a goopy substance with the color of Mountain Dew was made on set using a mixture of liquid from inside, inside glow sticks and KY jelly. Oh my God, it looks like KY Jelly. And I feel like I made that joke when I was watching this movie too. I was like, lube. <laughs> um, okay. Mountain Dew is that color. That's really gross that we put that into our bodies. I don't. Yeah, I can't remember the last Not the time I had a Mountain Dew. Not the meat part of we. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had a Mountain Dew, but it's the color that does not belong in nature. No, I remember having Surge back in... <laughs> well, Surge had a lot of right? <laughs> the <laughs> year that it was released. <laughs> it lasted for like one year. That shit was good. I, I, I Surge! <laughs> so I remember those commercials. Because we were constantly trying to seek a fucking caffeine high when we were teenagers. People even know what Surge is anymore? No, I doubt it. Uh, someone sent me a meme today that said, I finally let my kid watch the ring with me. And so far I've had to explain VCRs, newspapers, <laughs> photo development stores, and, and something else. And she was like, what fresh horrors await me in the rest of the ring? <laughs> <laughs> my God. <clears throat> okay. Those were fun facts. 
Oh, God, the, the fucking clerk at the hotel she was at. I think he had one of those old, like, carbon credit card copiers or something. He did. <laughs> I was just like, well, I remember working in stores where we had those. Yeah. So, I mean, this is how old I am. God. <laughs> Let me make a chalk rubbing of this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me let me get my charcoal pencil and a fresh sheet of paper and we'll charge your card. That's when my monthly budget was on a cave drawing. <laughs> I'm just going to make a rubbing. <laughs> we have topic now now when i tell people <laughs> to hold on i need to go make a rubbing <laughs> doesn't quite have the same effect that's right <laughs> where's that charcoal pencil <laughs> all right well we have some questions to ask about the predator um and let's start with is the predator a horror movie kind of yeah yeah a little bit sure we'll give it to it yeah, I mean, it's horror adjacent. It calls sure. itself one, yeah. I mean, because there's, there's a monster. It's out and proud. It is. And um, people die, sometimes very um, gorily. Gratuitively. Gr- gratuitively? Gr- gratuitously, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it, it's a horror movie. Words it's a things. lot of things, though. <laughs> like, this movie, it's an action movie. It's a science fiction movie. It's a horror movie. And it, it does those things successfully. It certainly sometimes. is those things. Yes. It's not a comedy. It's not thought-provoking. No. It's not very challenging. No. And sometimes you don't want to see something challenging. Mm. I mean, sometimes you just want a fucking popcorn. So what a brainless like, right? popcorn movie is nothing wrong with that. Nothing exactly. Nothing wrong at all. I mean, like, I can see why this movie made a lot of and money. And it does that well when it's not montaging its way through the fucking jungle. <laughs> if there's any jungle left after they shoot it. <laughs> and burn it <laughs> so like this is why we're having a rainforest problem because people shot it to death <laughs> uh were you scared while watching the predator what a boar <laughs> and they killed that too <laughs> they killed a boar that's a big ass pig too i was like fuck look how big that pig Those is things are dangerous yeah. are you kidding me there's boar horror movies it's called boar <laughs> Fucking lamb horror movies. Come on. (laughs) Were you scared while watching Predator? No. No. I can't remember being really scared when I was a kid either. Like, I think the Predator is really neat looking. As far as like monsters or aliens go, I think the Predator is really, really cool looking. The only time they try and build any kind of horror tension is when it's Billy looking out into the forest. Yeah. You know, and they give him a moment and that's it. And then they abandon it. Cutting his breast. Yeah. Where his heart is. But the Predator isn't into boobies. Nope. Sure is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm not i'm not scared of this movie i don't i don't even find it that tense right like i feel like the predator probably should have won that fight you know what i mean so yeah like, uh, by every measure and every moment yes. right so i mean like it, even the ending i'm like obviously arnold's gonna win no matter what because mm-hmm. this is the kind of movie we're making but like in reality, though, come on, this predator gonna kill everybody. Um, out of five stars, what would you rate Predator? I gave it a three star. Same. I think there was a time when I would have given it a four, you know. And three under my rating, I have, of course, you know, I have a little spreadsheet for the meanings behind like three point five versus three versus under three. I have enjoyable, right? And uh, I think two point five is average or meh. So it's above that, you know, but so I still rate it as a good movie. Like it's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the beginning of a franchise. It's, um, I think more important than it is good. Um, and it has its place and I'll probably see it again. 
you know, but I can't rate it higher than that. So I went into this movie thinking that I would give it a four, right? I, I think like somewhere same, yeah. deep in my memory, I was just like, okay, the last time I watched Predator, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was very excited to watch this movie because I feel like we've been talking about it for years now. And um, I was like, oh, it's going to be a four-star watch. And then we finished watching the movie and I'm like, um, no, you know, but I was just like, well, I, I feel like I need to rate it like three and a half, at least for like the legacy that it created. And I was like, no, I can't rate movies like that. You know what I mean? I've got to stop like fapping my nostalgia boner sometimes and just give the movie the rating that it deserves. Right. Yeah. So I landed on three. I was like, it is, it's a good movie. It's an enjoyable, fun movie. You know, but there's really nothing really special about it. There is. Um, it's just I mean, we not created that, the predator. Just not that special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, and and I, 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 like I said, it's more important than it's good. And there's some special things about it. It's just you know, and this is going to piss people off hearing our ratings. So some people really like this is their Walden, you know, and um, <laughs> but again, we we like to say here at the Film Flamers that ratings. It's everything all about art is subjective. So exactly. please don't let our our opinions and. Hey, guess what? Remember when we rated Covenant and Prometheus as like two stars and then we <laughs> turn around and rated like four and a half. That's right. You know, each watch has its own rating. And, you know, um, this is why we I have Letterbox. I think both of us were a little sleep deprived. Probably. <laughs> I mean, like, like, honestly, like I was a little sleep deprived and maybe a little like stressed just because of like normal life activities. And in normal situations like that, watching something that's mindlessly fun that I don't really have to follow all that closely would be perfect and enjoyable. And that's exactly what this movie yeah. is like good at. And we just watched Prey, which is yeah. at least uh, critically acclaimed as the highest rated in the series. And um, and I had also just watched like Chernobyl, <laughs> which is why I knew that date. <laughs> and that was like fucking excellent peak cinema, you know. And so like coming into Predator from both of those, it just seems like, oh, man. That's not fair to fair to fair to predator. So I need to watch it more in isolation. The next time I watch it on my rating will probably go up. Yeah. I mean, I would say the same too. Like, honestly, I, th- I feel like I had these expectations going into a movie that I had already seen. Cause you know, it's a classic, which is silly, you know, it's so just I came up with so classic long. expectations and I did not get that. Uh, yeah. And so I, I feel like, I feel like I need to watch it again with some time passed and probably not watch it right after I watched prey. Cause I really, really like prey. Yeah. Same. So, yeah. All right. So finally, and in the sausage fest, who's the hottest guy in Predator? You know, I want to say it's a tie between Billy, our Native American friend, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Jesse Ventura. So, same. Carl like, Weathers could get it, though. Carl Weathers, for sure, could get it. You know what I mean? Although I don't like his character as much in this movie. I, I don't either, but I think Carl Weathers is a really attractive man. Like, there's a lot of attractive men in this movie. It's all you very, fucking very rock, masculine. and it would be our hottest guy in any other movie. You know yeah, I mean? you know, but I feel like I feel like Billy is the hottest guy in this, for sure. Yeah. And I would put in second place probably Jesse Ventura. Yep. Because That's I where was, I am, kind of. I didn't, and I didn't think that that would be the case. No, <laughs> I was just like, "What?" And then I was watching it. And I was like, "Oh, he's kind of, he's kind of good looking in this." So I was just like, "Okay, Jesse Ventura," until he made that fucking faggot joke or whatever. Yeah, but I forgot about that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, oh," and I felt like we were gonna. I, I think I was just like, "We'll probably talk about that," and then we didn't even mention it. No. You know what I mean? But, 
I don't know. There was so much masculinity going on in this movie that I half expected every other word to be. Yeah, was swabbing the decks with testosterone. I mean, they were clearly. Where did they find a fucking gym to work out at in the jungle? Did they bring I don't out? know. Except I would not describe this movie as toxic masculinity. No, it's just very, very masculine. Yeah, yeah. It, there's, they're, it's not in a bad place. Nope. I don't. They're not being mean to that woman in any kind of a way or only off camera <laughs> only behind the scenes was it weird and toxic <laughs> to each other you know i don't think it's toxic because they like, needed to work out each and stuff because that's yeah. what they were hired for you know but they just got weirdly competitive with each other and you know almost playful but you know they felt like they survived something together you know i don't i don't see much drama out of this no, you know really. now i don't see any of them like hanging out and playing golf together but you know who knows Well, I think that just about wraps up our conversation on Predator. As always, we want to know what you think about this movie and our discussion about it. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, X, and Threads. Yikes. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Oh, um, get my KY light stick lube and call our hotline. Get in my chopper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my KY light stick, dude. <laughs> my glow stick is waiting. <laughs> mm, give me that green splooge. Okay. <laughs> Uh, That wraps up our conversation on the Predator franchise on the main feed. But like Chris said earlier, we had a poll put up over on Patreon.com slash the Film Flamers where all the members of the Patreon family got to vote for the Predator movie that we're going to be closing the month out with. And they have voted for Predator 2. That's right. So if you want to listen to that, you're going to have to become a patron and go over there and join our family. That's right. There'll be more polls coming in the future, so you'll be able to have your voice heard. That's right, and you'll get access to all those episodes and the normal episodes early. That's right. Also, if you like our show, you can head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, tell us why you like us. We're going to read that on Shooting the Flames. And if you head to our website, filmflamers.com, you can get to the link to our merch store. (laughs) Where we have many, many different t-shirts, all of which are hilarious, and you would look really cool when you're wearing them. So mm-hmm. go check that out. And uh, I guess we should announce, go ahead and announce what's going on next month. That's right, because it's September, and last year we started talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street, and we are continuing that conversation with parts three, one of my personal favorite horror movies, and four. Right, and that's Dream Warriors and Dream Master. And I think over on Patreon next month, we're going to go ahead and do five, which is Dream Child. That's right. So we'll be wrapping up this franchise really quickly over the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I think it's time we get to the chopper. I think so too. I've always wanted you to say that. Really? <laughs> get to the chop. Get to the chop. It's not a tune. Once we make it there, we'll probably have some sweet dreams during a jungle montage (laughs) to the full house theme song. I'm going to make a cut where it's just the walking through the jungle for like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Put me right to sleep. That's right. All that fucking like background noise, birds chirping. Yeah. 
soothing. There were some weird animal noises. I was like, why? I was like, are there a bunch of rodents in this jungle? Because it sounds like a whole bunch of rats running around all yeah. the time. There's everything's in the fucking jungle. A whole bunch of fucking rats? Yeah. And boar. And boar, I would you'd think you'd hear more birds or something, but it's like I mean it's just weird. Well that was the that was the predator. <laughs> the predator's a rodent? What's the sound Stan Winston makes? <laughs> when he sees something he doesn't like. <laughs> Rip. Oh. End it. <laughs> Deek. 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 <laughs>